Hello and good evening, everyone, from the highest point on FSU's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports. You are listening to Tom Hawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State, coming to you live from Room Form 20 inside of Diffin Boss. Save your jokes at the door. I am your host, Nicholas Carlisle, bringing you the latest, the greatest, and the Florida Statist in everything sports, or at least as much as we can fit within the hour for people all around the world. Before we get started tonight, I think we need to issue a huge thank you and offer our sincerest gratitude for all utilities, FPL workers, police officers, police officers, groundkeepers, and whoever else that have worked incredibly hard to clean up after Hurricane Michael and restore power to not only Tallahassee, but to the other areas affected by this, quite honestly, it's quite honestly a Category 5. I know it was classified as a Category 4, but I think it was like only, like what, a few miles per hour shy of being a Category 5? I think it was 2. I think 2 miles. <laughs> so, all things considered, this was a Category 5 hurricane. Um, but I, I think you know only a few miles off it should be classified as that. But, of course, you know, we were also sending our thoughts and prayers out to those in Panama City who got it a lot worse than we did here in Tallahassee. And a special shout-out to Blake Brandon, a former host of this show, and a very close friend of a lot of us here at VA9. Blake, we hope you are well. And, of course, we extend that to everyone who was affected by this hurricane in any severity. Stay strong. Uh, well, we have a pretty packed show for you all tonight. Of course, you can find us live at Facebook at Tomahawk Talk, and you can also find us on Twitter at Talk underscore Tomahawk. Make sure you follow us there so you don't miss anything, and you can also watch the first 15 minutes or so of every show on Facebook Live. Well, obviously, it's been a long week for here, uh, for us here at Tallahassee, but unfortunately and unfortunately, the sports world never stops, and a lot has happened this week during Florida State's bye week. We are going to break down this important Wake Forest game this coming Saturday, as well as the absolute mayhem that was college football this past weekend. But before we get anywhere, what is a captain without his crew? I am joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Chris Camacho. You actually had to stay here for the hurricane. Why is that? Uh, that's because I'm an RA, and it's uh, it's my duty, you know? Just being a hero. It's whatever. Just being a hero. Uh, no, no, I can't really say that. The, 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 the hero that Tallahassee may have needed, but was Didn't locked know in that a they dorm needed, room. Yeah. Right. But was contractually <laughs> obligated to, <laughs> to stay. <laughs> <laughs> the congr- the co- contractually obligated superhero. That is a new one. And joining us once again is Luke Faye, weathering two storms this weekend. One, the actual hurricane. The other being the fact that UCF nearly got upset by Memphis, who has knocked, who is, who is a knack for knocking off top 25 teams. I believe they have upset a nationally ranked team in each of the past two seasons. Luke sent out an SOS, but obviously he is fine now. Luke, why don't you get your shameless UCF comment out of the way? All right, let's, let's get it out early. Uh, Memphis won 12 straight home at the Liberty Bowl. They've won four of those were top 25 teams, and it was pouring down rain during the game, which I will add, actually helped UCF in the long run. Um, I think that uh, we should focus on if we're gonna va- if we're gonna make fun of UCF for losing by one point, we should make fun of Florida for nearly losing to Vanderbilt and Notre Dame for putting whatever display that was against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Do you want to know what UCF did to Pittsburgh? They beat him by thirty one points. Oh my <laughs> God. And you see, you see, Notre Dame, Notre Dame wins by five points in the final five minutes of the game. I just, uh, it's kind of weird how Notre Dame went from five to four after almost losing, and UCF stayed at ten. Kind of weird, but I'm over. I'm over. I'm over. And I think Gary's over it too. 
<laughs> and speaking of Gary, the Ray Allen to the Miami Big Three, Gary Butnick coming in clutch, asked to come in on the show. It's such a short notice, but he is hitting that three in the corner as time expires. Gary, we are going to uh, get to some baseball tonight uh, later on in the show. Shocking, I know, with me as the host. Woo! Um, but just quickly, as a bit of a preview, what's been the most surprising part of the postseason thus far? Uh, I would say how well, or I would say David Price winning a game or being a part of a game where in which his <laughs> team won. That's pretty much it right now. For wow, me. It, it wasn't the fact that there were sweeps in the divisional rounds. No, nope, not at all. It, it nope. was the fact that David Price didn't get absolutely shelled in the postseason. Exactly. Well, yeah. No, well, well, okay, well, okay, 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 okay. Come on. He was a part of a team that won a game in which he participated in the game. That's surprising. <laughs> he okay. was there. He was there. He, he, was had, there. he had the partici- he did something. He had. I don't know if you all played little league soccer or little league baseball, where Definitely you got baseball. your you got your mm-hmm. participation trophy at the yes. end of every season. Is that what David? That's, if, that's my fair. chance that the Red Sox win the World Series. I think like twenty five million dollars is a good enough participation trophy for I think me. So he'll for sure get a plaque. I think so. <laughs> okay. You're right about that. I think so. Chris Camacho, Luke Fig, Gary Putnick, and once again, I'm your host, Nick Carlisle, and we are starting off the top, which if you don't know, is the segment where I take a look at the previous week in sports and pick a big story or topic and throw it at our panelists, forcing them to come up with answers off the top of their head at the top of the show. And tonight, something that has been in and out of discussion over the past couple of weeks, but it really caught my attention again recently, and I'm pretty excited to talk about it because everyone seems to have um, a differing opinion on this. Talking about the new controversial roughing the passer and personal foul rules in the NFL, and this caught my eye during the absolute travesty that was the uh, the Thursday night football game, the Eagles versus the Giants. Um, and there was a play in the second quarter where Michael Bennett got flagged for roughing the passer on a short screen pass. Um, because he, quote, put his weight on the quarterback without attempting to move to the side of Eli Manning, and that was coming from um, the, the, the officiating person that they have with the broadcast team. Uh, and this was the second consecutive game where Bennett was uh, flagged for a call like this, and if you remember, Clay Matthews got flagged for it a couple times early on in the season, and that was pretty prevalent in the news. So, guys, what do you think of these new rules? Are they ruining football, or is that just too radical of a statement to make, Chris? It's it's just unrealistic it, to to ex- to tell a guy that you didn't move, you didn't shift your body weight in the middle of flying midair to tackle this one guy. It's like, here, break the laws of physics for us wh- while you're at it. Like it's it's just, I think it's making it less fun for the players to to you know to play the game that they've played their whole lives. They've played it a certain way for the entirety of their careers, and now to ask them to change it, it's. It's messed up, and Gary and I were talking about it before. Last night, there was a big play uh, between the Chiefs and the Patriots, Monday Night Football. It was Breland Speaks, who's a who's a rookie uh, on the Chiefs' defense, and let's go of Tom Brady. Gary, you you, you can tell him more. Yeah, he, <clears throat> New England had it was a third and short situation inside the 10-yard line, and Breland Speaks comes around, grabs Brady by the hips pretty much. Brady pump fakes, Speaks sees him about to throw the ball, lets go of him. Brady doesn't throw the ball, and Brady then ends up running the ball in for the score, which eventually led to, uh, what was it, the Tariq Hill touchdown on the next drive for the Chiefs and then the field goal for the Patriots to win the game. So, in essence, Breland Speaks being afraid of getting penalized there led to the Patriots winning the game. Luke? You know, we're, we're talking about football here. This ain't this ain't <laughs> no American football. I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, I – it's it, it speaks volumes when you saw T.J. Watt. I think it it's T.J. Watt. J.J. Watt's brother. Yeah, J.J. Yeah. Watt's brother the uh, for the uh, no no not not the third <laughs> one. He's on the Chargers, I believe. Yeah, uh, I think it's T.J. Watt on the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
he went to go make a tackle, and I want to say it was Jameis Winston. Someone someone sidestepped him, and he brushed the leg of the quarterback and got fined twenty two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And it was it was nothing. It was absolutely nothing. So I think not only are you changing the game, but you're finding people's livelihood twenty two thousand dollars, which okay, they're making a million dollars a year, but still that's something. And you're saying, oh, you should just not play football. Mm-hmm. What, what, mm-hmm. Exactly what Chris was saying. This is what they've been doing all their life, and I understand not trying to lower the lower the helmet and helmet to helmet contact and hit him in the shoulders and all that. But once you come to, all right, I'm going to tackle the quarterback and I got to be afraid of how, how I form tackle him and make sure I can not, don't pile drive him. But you saw uh, a couple, two weeks ago, I don't know what team it was. The guy went to go make a, a sack on the quarterback goes and tries to land away from him and he tore his ACL mm, Miami, and he was yeah. out for the yep. season. Miami Dolphins, the, yeah, yeah yep. the Miami Dolphins player. I was going to so bring that up. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it has an effect on not only the Q, the or not only the defenders but also the QB the QBs are are I, I don't even know what to say they're yeah. they're little dolls out there they can do whatever they want yeah I mean, and I, I said that you know everybody had a differing opinion on this and I'm glad that you're all agreeing me on this because from what I've seen people are like yeah well that that they, they we got to protect the quarterbacks and I'm just sitting here like I'm not going to mix word about this. I think that these new rules are absolutely terrible. It's it. They sound like rules are. These rules are made by people who've never played football before. Yeah. that's yeah. what it feels like. It feels right. like it's made by the doctors and not by like people yeah. who've played. Right. Joe, yeah. Joe Thomas, Joe Thomas, an offensive lineman, was talking about how terrible this rule was for football. Yeah. An offensive lineman. So if you can even see it on the other side mm-hmm. of the ball, especially because under the physicality of everything, football really is a very mechanically demanding game. You know, you need to tackle somebody the correct way. You need to do this with your feet. And if your opponent does this, you need to do that. And this is something that a lot of these athletes have ingrained uh, in them since they began playing football in middle school and high school. And that includes how to properly and mechanically tackle someone. With that being said, it's dumbfounding to me. And it's really stupid to me how you teach these kids and athletes how to tackle from such a young age up through high school and even up to college. And then you just change the rules in the NFL Mm -hmm. and say, no, sorry, you you can't tackle like that. You can't tackle the way that you've been tackling since you were seven or eight years old, you know, because because we're trying to, quote unquote, make the game safer. Well, that's nice. But what next? I'm just going to see Aaron Rodgers with a bunch of safety pillows strapped all over him now. But I, I mean, maybe some like crime scene tape or something. I, I, I mean, I, you can't teach somebody the mechanics of a game just to revert those years of teaching at the highest level. It's stupid. And as you said earlier, William Hayes, a defensive tackle for the Miami Dolphins, actually tore his ACL trying to prevent one of these stupid roughing the passer calls. And I think what ticks me off the most about it is the fact that this is it's not something that you can reasonably control you know you can't control or excuse me you can control not smacking the quarterback in the mouth with your helmet after he's already you know thrown the ball but you can't expect these 200 pound plus sometimes 300 pound plus linemen coming at you like a bat out of hell to completely stop on a dime just to lower the impact of a hit which done correctly would be a clean hit you know it takes the physicality of the game away and i think it's absolutely ridiculous that they expect players to have the mechanics of the game ingrained in them to stop their momentum um enough not to put their weight on the quarterback well, and, and, and that's the thing listen these you're talking about the national football league yeah these are professionals professional players professional players who have done this for minimum 10 years they they you know they've gone through the ropes they know the techniques well they know what they're doing it, it Maybe a rule like this makes a little more sense if you're talking uh, like peewee 
football. I mean, obviously you can't give him a fine. You little can't t- give those yeah, kids fines. Yeah, little, little Timmy's trying not to get his arm broken. Right. In, in but no, you, no snacks for you, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying, like, these are, like, you can't, you, you have to trust that these professional defensive linemen and linebackers know how to tackle properly. And obviously, listen, the, at, the, at the end of the day, they're just playing football. They're doing what they love. They're playing the game that they love. They're they're just trying to have fun at the end of the day, you know. It's it's no, they're not trying to hurt the other person. Can't always say that, I guess, in certain rivalry games. Well, but you unless know what unless I mean. you're in Dominican Sioux, uh, <laughs> I um, think you mixed it up with uh, Vontez Perfect. Uh, either one. I think they're interchangeable <laughs> at this point. <laughs> interchangeable. Uh, so with that being said, that was the off the top segment presented by me, brought to you by me. And it's uh, at this point sponsored, <laughs> sponsored by, by me. Humble, uh, it's humble. at this point in the show where we have to say goodbye to those of you on Facebook Live. We wish you well. Um, if somebody can handle that, Chris, that'd be I got, I got you, uh, that would be great. So, moving on, uh, Florida State entering a huge week this week, coming off a bye week that, quite frankly, wasn't even a bye week because Hurricane Michael came into town and changed those plans plans very quickly. So, with that being said, guys, I'm just going to be very straightforward with it. I know that Wake Forest is coming off a game in which they lost by 60 points to Clemson. I know that the Demon Deacons have lost all of their games against respectable opponents, those being Notre Dame and Boston College, but still, this upcoming game scares me quite a bit. If you remember last year, the Knolls barely escaped with a win at Wake Forest 26-19, and that was a game in which John Wolford absolutely torched Florida State for 334 yards combined. Obviously, Wolford isn't there anymore, and the Seminoles will be facing Sam Hartman, who I believe is a true freshman. Um, he has 10 touchdowns, a little bit under 1,300 yards passing and 200 yards rushing. Florida State is coming off a bye week that wasn't even a bye week, as I've already said. Florida State did not practice this past week, and this is after a Miami loss that, let's be honest, really messed up that locker room. And they, uh, in the words of Brian Burns, they wanted to practice right away. They wanted to play, and obviously they couldn't. Guys, does this game scare you as much as it does me, or am I just being overly worrisome here? It worries me just a little bit, but not as much as it worries you right now, just because like there is that kind of feeling with Wake Forest, like they can do it, but are they going to be able to do it? And is like was it Florida State was able to practice on Saturday and Sunday? I think so. So there, they did get some practice, but they did get a lot of well-needed rest. So that should really help them. Well, usually on bye weeks, you don't always practice. Exactly, a lot of kids yeah. go home. So it worked. It worked out probably well for the team. They got to see their family before Thanksgiving. I mean, I don't even know if they'll be able to see them on Thanksgiving. Uh, but that that being said, I'm not worried about a team that lost 63-3 to to Clemson. <laughs> Are you kidding me? What state of Florida State Athletics is this where you're worried about Wake Forest? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Florida State beat Wake Forest, what, 19-12 to last year? 26-19. to Yeah. It, it, was, it was a fairly close. close game last year. It should not be a close game this year. Florida State should run them out of the water. Defensively, they should score a touchdown. And it, I think that that will actually happen. The problem is rumors have been going around, mm. and DeAndre Francois has hurt a little bit more than what could be let on, or there could be there might be a quarterback change headed for this week, and Blackman might be starting against Wake Forest. That adds a little bit more of a wrinkle because Clemson is coming up. Yeah, you, you just know where I'm going all the time, Luke. I like you cannot just let me progress through the show. You, you always jump in like five seconds. Hey, hey, I'm just you know we we we, uh, we, we bounce we, off of each other we so ha- well. We have that unspoken. I have to bond. give you that that setup right there. That that unspoken <laughs> bond. But I think more than anything, and I, Chris, I'll let you if you have anything. I yeah. think the the thing that scares me the most, and it's not necessarily that it's a Wake Forest team. Obviously, I mean this is a team that lost by sixty points. 
you're, any team's going to take a look at that and that and say, well, it's barbecue chicken time. Uh, quote Shaq there. But <laughs> I just remember remember last year there was a similar, very similar situation with the hurricane. And I think the Miami game was delayed, and there was another game that got moved. ULM. Um, it, it, yeah, it was Louisiana, Louisiana Monroe. And that was a team that took that bye week, or I guess that, 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 <laughs> that naturally given bye week, <laughs> and they came out that next game and completely flopped. They took that bye week, and it was almost like a complete reset. It was a complete reset to the type of game that, that was NC State, wasn't it? I think it was. Mm-hmm. It might have been NC State. It was. They took that game, or they took that bye week, and it was almost just like a complete reset, like it was preseason again. And I'm not gonna say that that was all the players' fault, but there are a lot of the similar players on last year's team that are on this team still. And that enough, kind of just, it, it kind of it's getting under my skin. In, in that case. Well, I, I think, you know, you, you kind of hope that those same players maybe learn from last year. And also, this is this is a different circumstance. I think the Hurricane doesn't play as much role because it's not interrupting their schedule. This Hurricane came at the perfect time in the season in that, I mean, obviously. In scheduling. In scheduling. Yeah. In scheduling. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, I, I – Luke, you, you, you said a key word, and that's should – and that's a word that a lot of Florida State fans, whether whether it's a fan or analyst or, you know, reporters have been using all season long. This is a game Florida State should win. We've There are a lot of games that Florida State should have won. Um, I'm personally not worried about Wake Forest, but Wake Forest has given us a lot of trouble trouble in the past, even at home. Um, I don't know. It, it could be th- – this could either be a big – uh, a big confidence booster for this Florida State offense specifically, or it could be a shootout between the two teams. And to bounce off of that, Luke already jumped the gun a little bit, and I'm going to give him a little bit of a mess about it. But uh, he jumped the, jumped the gun about the Blackman, uh, James Blackman potentially starting uh, this weekend in lieu of uh, DeAndre Francois. Uh, inc- the, I guess the increasing information that we keep getting about how injured. It's like an Everett Golson injury. Yeah. If you remember, do you remember oh, where yeah. it was he Little might be game. concussed? He might not. I sat next to Josh Wett that year. Uh, he was a freshman. I was a freshman. And I, I said straight up, hey, so is Everett Golson hurt? And he went, oh, heck no. Sean McGuire starting this weekend. And I had to be right there. I told I told everyone, no one believed me. It happens. I think that DeAndre Francois is a little bit injured, and they're they're just gonna out of safety roll with Blackman. It's not exactly out of play because the offensive line is gonna do the same thing to Blackman as it did to Francois. And you know, speaking of that offensive line, Landon Dickerson came back for the Louisville game at, at left tackle or, or a tackle position of some kind, and he re-injured his ankle during that game, and he did not play versus Miami, and. Reports are that he's not going to be ready to play versus this Wake Forest team either. And this is an offensive line that we've talked about it so much on the show over the past couple weeks, is that this offensive line needs continuity. This offensive line needs reps together, a solid uh, group of five that just need to get that chemistry going enough to give DeAndre Francois or James Blackman or whoever, Cam Akers, Jacques Patrick, whoever is in that backfield, whatever playmaker that Florida State is trying to roll with, they need to give him enough time to do anything because the run, we all know, has been absolutely atrocious. When the blocking has been enough for the passing game, DeAndre Francois has looked really great. But again, that offensive line needs that continuity. And with Landon Dickerson being out again, 
it kind of worries me. That's like sure. it's almost yeah. like a compounding thing that just gives me a very unsettling feeling about this next game. No, I and I I completely I completely agree. Looking at our at our offensive rush yardage, we only we average. I'm sorry, Florida State averages 98 yards a game, I think. And you compare that to Wake Forest's uh, average run defense. I believe it's 232 yards. Like that's double and almost almost double and a half our our run yardage. Um, but granted, the the defense does have it's a strong rush defense, uh, which is I mean the defense as we've said on this show has always kept Florida State in games, so it's it's going to be one of those. Does Florida State uh, hinge its hopes on its defense, or will or can Blackman, should he start, be able to successfully lead this offense into, you know finally blooming into what we've into what Florida State fans have been expecting and that's really going to be a test for this defense because this Wake Forest team actually can score a bit of points 32.3 points per game against thus far. tough opponents against too, pretty uh, tough opponents with scoring three points in one of those games you, kind yes. of skewed <laughs> I was just gonna say it's kind of skewed it, it is a little bit skewed but this offense uh it's not the worst in the country by any means so you know if this defense is here or or, or is out on the field uh, long enough, you know, it, it could be a situation in which uh, Florida State really has some troubles here. Nick, I, I want to add that um, I saw that uh, Landon Dickerson, they aren't even sure he's going to be back this season. They're, they're yeah. unsure if he's even going to be back this year. So that's something that you gotta you got to plan along and think, oh, well, we might not even have back a leader on the offensive line for the entire year. Who's going to who, who's going to take over that spot? So there's a big audition uh, coming up right now. And I, I also want to – I saw Gary looking at it, but I, I want to talk about Florida State's going to come out and crush Wake Forest this weekend. I think they're going to come out and crush them, not only from what happened against Miami, but one of one of their players, Janarius Robinson, he lost his house. He's, yep, not even, yep. he's not even practicing with the team. He's still at home. I saw a picture of him walking through in – and you see the, those pictures on the news of the guy walking through and there's just rubble. His house is legitimately rubble. He's going and trying to find anything that would be a memory of his, his house he grew up, his childhood home, and it's gone. So you got to think that Florida State is going to play for their brother and play that they got they got beat by Miami in the second half. Those are two things that uh, you can't... It, you can't change, uh, Gary. Uh, if you want to add to that, no, you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Like he, they want to get out there and they want to get back to the normalcy of football and just that regular schedule that they had. Because like la- what you mentioned last year, they had such it was such such a skewed season where like they came off the Alabama game, then it was just they have something to play for. Yeah, exactly. And this speaking just in football terms, of course, of course, it's horrible what happened to. Because they're representing the Panhandle too. Well, there exactly. are no other major colleges. Exactly, but and so when yeah. it comes to just Janarius Robinson and the tragedy of him losing his home, from and of course not to downplay that, but from a football standpoint, this is a. The, of course, I think the secondary is probably the weaker part of this entire defense as a whole, but the linebacker core is, at times, really hit or miss. So having him not practicing with the team and having, uh, uh, having uh, Dontavious Jackson kind of just take over that entire role uh, most of the time by himself, uh, or uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it, 
you you always hope that the defense that I mean as we've said before, just that they're gonna that they're gonna play for their brother. Um, I think that this is this is an offense that can be stopped, uh, and especially against a Florida State defense like the one that's on the field that shows up every week. It's it's I I can't see Wake Forest scoring all that all that often. What what was that common thread that we said uh, with uh, the Miami game? They need to come out and make a statement. Mm-hmm. In the in the first drive, make a statement. Punch them in the mouth first. Punch them in the mouth first. Right. Florida State, Steve, they need to defer the ball over to Wake Forest, and they need to punch them in the mouth that first <laughs> possession and, and show them what's up and give that little bit of confidence to the offense headed in, give them good field position, set them up to, to not fail. Florida State has been set up to fail. The, the Virginia Tech game, how many times did they have the ball outside the 20-yard line? I, 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 probably, probably two or three times the entire game. They were they were set up a negative field position, and so if Florida State's defense can make make a statement early on in the game, it can really help the continuity of the offense going forward. Especially if you have you know QB number two coming in. Yeah, Gary, if James Blackman does come in this weekend, how confident are you that at he's at home? How confident are you that he's going to be able to deliver a, a solid enough game for Florida State being able to win it? I'm kind of iffy still on Blackman just because of the protection still and like he knows that but one thing the protection he will know that he has little to no protection and he'll have to get the ball out quick but that also really screwed him over last year with a lot of the passes where he just overthrow shorter guy lead a guy way too far on or throw behind it just felt like he couldn't hit the broadside of a bomb with a rowing or last year <laughs> he's got nothing to lose though Gary that's true what does he have no. to lose nothing no real <laughs> so uh, the the pressure is off. Last year, there there was mm-hmm. uh, some pressure. He, he couldn't hit anything, and you hear that in the back of the head. He's so far ahead than any other QB I've worked with, blah, blah, blah. And it gets you after a while when you aren't winning games, and now he's got to sit back, no pressure, and if he comes into this ball game, he knows if he plays bad, it's it's not really that big of a deal. But if he plays great, then you got Florida State fans chirping, mm-hmm. which they're already chirping about mm-hmm. Blackman. Mm-hmm. And – even more to the point, we've talked about it a couple of times on the show, you and I, Chris, about how much of a leadership role that Blackman has um, assumed being on the sideline. He's always been in the huddles. He's been encouraging his teammates. If I'm the rest of this Florida State offense, Blackman coming to this game is really a positive. Not not to knock DeAndre Francois, of course, but mm-hmm. uh, James Blackman, you know, there's kind of oftentimes that disparity between starter and backup in terms of trust and and and. Uh, in the system, and I don't think that if Blackman comes in this weekend, there's going to be that disparity, and I think that's really going to be an advantage for Florida State this weekend. I, I would agree. I think I, I've I've said this for a lot of the season. Um, I've been waiting for Blackman to get his chance because uh, I I think I think he's earned it. I think I mean again not not to knock DeAndre Francois, but I think we've seen enough from him to know okay, well maybe we need to give Blackman a, a try and see how this offense works. Do you, do you think him. that that uh, the the Florida State offense is going to play harder for Blackman? Play harder because they're 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 glad that he had the opportunity because he did everything right. I I can absolutely see that happening. Yeah, as as we've said, the leadership role. Because you see players check out right. check out with certain play, certain people in. And, sure. And it's a breath of fresh air. It's 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 almost like hitting the restart button for the season. You're, you got which a new they guy are on in the re- sure. they're, they're halfway through the season, coming off right. of a bye week. You're completely right on these things. Yeah. 
And, you know, sometimes, especially when the offensive line has not played well, you see DeAndre Francois visibly getting very upset, and that can't be, you know, really good for morale at all. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you're James Blackman, you've got to be licking your, licking your chops at this opportunity. Um, and, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how he does perform if he does get the call this week. And we are going to take a little bit of a short break. We are at the halfway mark. Uh, we're going to do predictions, some baseball and college football in general on the other side of the break. Uh, stick here. Keep it tuned. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. I was sitting here thinking about some old times, some old times, some old friends, and suddenly it came across my mind, I would like to see you again, remember how we used to walk and talk, walk and talk. said we loved each other I recall we made a lot of future plans but the years have come and gone and a whole lot has happened since then but tonight your memory's awful strong on my mind and I Funny how a feeling will come back It'll come on back Make you blue Cause I just saw a picture in my mind About a time of me and you But the years have come and gone And a whole lot has happened Tonight your memory's awful strong on my mind And I would like to see you again Yes, the years have come and gone And a whole lot has happened since then But tonight your memory's awful strong And welcome back to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. We left you on the other side of break, finishing up the talk about Wake Forest versus Florida State, why I'm maybe a little prematurely scared about this game and how Luke is always one step ahead of me. Uh, I'm not quite sure how he does it. And, of course, the, uh, the possibility uh, that James Blackman gets the call uh, to start this weekend for the Florida State Seminoles. We're going to uh, wrap up this talk with some predictions here. The line uh, is, is 10 um, towards Florida State. It ain't enough. It, it ain't enough. It ain't <laughs> enough. Uh, again, uh, before I can even ask the question, <laughs> are we about He's the He's still spread? ahead of you, Nick. He's still ahead of me. I just got to 
uh, quicken my pace here. But <laughs> predictions for this game, gentlemen, what are we thinking here? You know, give me a Wake Forest ticket. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm just messing with you. Uh, Florida State by uh, two. S- <laughs> another score of sixty-three to three. By two touchdowns. To 40. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. One more time. What- Florida State by two touchdowns. By two touchdowns. Okay. Uh, let's go twenty-eight thirteen. Florida State. Twenty-eight thirteen. Luke. Going thirty-one to. 31 to 10, and I'm going to take Florida State as well, 30 to 17. So, obviously, Florida State had its bye week this week. We've said that a couple times already, but college football had an absolutely amazing week when you when you talk about the competition. There was and college football this week? The college, yeah, I, 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 didn't, I, I mean, Crazy. I didn't think about it either. I mean, it was absolutely <laughs> insane that there was college football, but yeah. And I, I saw a video video or article of whatever, a Paul Feinbaum saying that, quote-unquote, Alabama is sucking the oxygen out of college football. And I just want to start off with just the simple question is, do you guys agree with that? Um, I, I don't know that it's sucking the air out of college football because the thing is not everybody's watching Alabama. Not, you know, like I, you, you expect them to win every single game, but I think maybe where it's sucking the fun out of is, is when it comes time for the college playoffs. The fact that they make it every year, it, it makes the games that they play a little more exciting because, you know, you're expecting, okay, this is a top-four team going up against Alabama. Maybe there's some excitement there. But in, in the whole realm of college football, no, I don't think so. Gary? I'd, on a national landscape, I'd say yes. But, like, once you get down to the smaller conferences, it's not really that big of a problem. Paul Feinbaum makes me mad in, in so many other ways. But really, <laughs> he is. Pow. 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 don't play nobody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. What, what I'm trying to say is Paul Feinbaum is he is the biggest, this will hurt his feelings, he is the biggest Auburn or uh, Alabama homer in the entire 100%. world. He graduated from there. Do y'all, remember when, do y'all remember when Phyllis from right. Alabama called into his show uh, after Auburn oh, yeah. beat uh, mm-hmm. Alabama in that that, that in, in, incredible character. Yeah. yeah, so what I'm saying, and he, he, he talks about how he's impartial and every, when have you ever criticized anything from Alabama? Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing. He's an SEC homer. He is he's, two, he's contracted by the SEC network. He has network. two books that are titled my, Why My Conference is Greater Than Yours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's very entitled. Very entitled. <laughs> and if you're talking about sucking the air out of football, it's sucking the air out of his, their own fans. Their own fans <laughs> won't even show up to the games. Are you that, kidding me? That's stay for Dixie Land Delight. They stay for Dixie Land Delight, though, when it comes they, back. They brought Dixie Land Delight back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that being said, Alabama – is is the the Patriots of the league where the media pumps them up so much they grease them up grease them up grease them up, and it, when is it gonna stop? I mean, come on! I know they're really good at football, but they aren't God. People are seeing them as God, <laughs> as in cancel the playoff. They shouldn't even play the playoff. Alabama's so much better. They're one injury away. Tua Tua almost got. He's a little mm-hmm. bit banged up after the last game. They're one injury away from being a normal Alabama. Three ranked team. They're probably going to lose to Auburn this year, who's awful. I mean, come on, let's the, the, let's wake the big, up. The big story. They're mortal. Of the game, They're mortal. The big but they got Nick Saban. <laughs> of of this past game was the fact that they almost punted the ball twice, something like that. That was the bit. Like you want to talk about crazy? The spread was twenty eight. They won by twenty nine. How does how does Vegas wow. do it, man? I don't they even. Never, they're never they never lose. They never lose. They're they always right. Lose. 
<laughs> yeah, but the but the Florida State spread needs to be a whole lot higher. Oh, for sure. It needs to be like <laughs> but, but that being said, they're not sucking the life out of college football. I wouldn't say the media's media is pumping out that they are. Yeah. They're sucking the life out of their own fans who are becoming too entitled. Uh, yeah, like I, I don't know how you could possibly say something like that if if you're fine. But like after the week of college football that we just had, and hold on to your seats, ladies and gentlemen, because this is a, this is going to be a lot to take in, and I'm just going to spitball here. This was a weekend in college football where Wisconsin looked absolutely abysmal against a Michigan team that frankly hasn't looked good all season up until this point. LSU absolutely blew out the number two ranked Georgia Bulldogs after dropping a close game against Florida Gold the titles. previous week. Notre Dame, UCF, Texas, and Texas A&M barely avoided upsets. Tennessee, this is going to make Clint Island very, very happy, one of the worst teams in the SEC over the past (laughs) few years, beating an Auburn team that frankly shouldn't have remained in the top 25 anyways, but yet they were there. Miami loses to Virginia 16-13 after narrowly escaping Florida State the week before. Mm. That is some justice if you're a Florida State fan. Uh, Michigan State beats Penn State after losing to Northwestern by 10 the previous week. Number 17-ranked Oregon beats number 7-ranked Washington in a nail-biter. Iowa State upsets top 25 opponents in back-to-back weeks. Guys, I know I just listed a lot. Alabama may be the best team in the nation by a a fair margin, but they are by no means sucking the life out of college football when you just take a look about everything that else that is happening. And it really only looks like Alabama is sucking the life out of college football if you choose to look at what's at the top and not what's happening in the nation in a place that's not well, called Tuscaloosa. Well, well, Nick, if we're looking at it, all those games you listed, uh, or most of them, were great games to watch. Mm-hmm. Who has Alabama played that you can say, ooh, that's – that's going to be a good that's a good matchup. They they haven't played anyone that on, on that you think that they should even play a close game too. And so once they go and start playing tough teams, you can really see what this team's going to be like. I think that they're going to blow out the good teams. But that being said, they aren't really even no one wants to watch Alabama because they aren't fun to watch. The games aren't even close. You think they're going to be blowing out LSU in a couple weeks? I think LSU be I think that Valley. LSU I really I'm a I am on the LSU bandwagon, I'm man. All in. I am yep. all in. I thought that they were going to beat Georgia. I am all in on LSU. I mm-hmm. still think that West Virginia is a good team. Uh, they lost to Iowa you State. Can't have that loss though. That is a big it's loss. A big uh, well, Oklahoma had that loss to Iowa State last year. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and look, and they did they win the national championship either? No, they didn't. <laughs> they I, I think that they should have. I I honestly do. But that that being said, around college football there is still storylines, and I. There's no storyline for Alabama except for they're just blowing teams out because they aren't playing anyone of of a good caliber yet. These next couple weeks, I think they have three matchups that are pretty good. They've got Tennessee, LSU, and Mississippi State. And and, and, and up until this point, what would you say? I know that you have the schedule in front of you. What is the strongest team that Alabama has played thus far this season? Has played thus far? Thus far, I know you have the schedule in front of you. Is it Missouri? Uh, Maybe. Texas A&M? Uh, did yeah. They play? Yeah. Texas yeah. A&M, you got Arkansas. Well, that's a, not Arkansas. That is another thing <laughs> that Arkansas. I don't understand is is how hyped up people, ESPN, and all the analysts are about Texas A&M. If you notice the college football playoff, you see Jimbo at the end, all in. You know that, that, dumb, <laughs> that, that dumb commercial where Jimbo – why is Jimbo Fisher at the very end of the college football playoff? Right. That didn't make any sense. And they've lost two games, and they're number seventeen in the mm-hmm. country. Or am I am I being wrong on this? To two legit teams. Ch- checking for you. Yeah, right now. but 
but it still, seems no, like yeah. they're getting the benefit of the doubt, which is very bizarre. They are number seventeen. Yeah, they're getting that Jimbo Fisher inflation there, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know why so many people like Jimbo. He didn't seem like a very genuine guy at Florida State. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, shots being fired. Uh, can it, can, somebody, I mean, we we need an air air horn soundboard. Put that on the Amazon cart. Right on the Amazon <laughs> cart. Put that in the Amazon. The cart. big list of things. The big list. We need no. We need like a, a little twiddle d uh, sound for every time Jimbo is mentioned you know <laughs> like a stain like a ding, just a ding yeah, every time like a, a what like a, wait 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 a, 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 twiddle? a twiddle d you, you know just the, the, like when a uh when a clown walks around and then like slips and falls on banana just kind of just something something proves you know he's yeah. <laughs> and we we uh impartially think he's inferior as a coach and I mean, I know that I listed a lot of those games um, and a lot of teams, but Luke, out of all of those victories or upsets, all those games, which one was the most surprising one to you? For for losing or winning? For for whichever one of those. Um, I think that Notre Dame and Pitt, because Notre Dame Notre Dame is is proven that they aren't that great of a I don't think they're that great of a team this year, um, and they're overrated. It's the the Catholic overration. And there have so many teams or so many alumni around the country that love them. And uh, also, uh, do we have Quint here? Is Quint going to talk about some Rocky Top? We have we have a caller, and that is Clint Island. We have summoned him from wherever he is, but with the uttering of Tennessee football. And I, I, I said that Tennessee has been one of the worst teams in the SEC the past couple of years. And I guarantee you that that comment might be the reason why Clint is on the line here. But how you doing, buddy? Long time no see going on guys long time listener fourth time caller. <laughs> i'm uh I, I got i'm calling yeah you're right because y'all have just been talking about tennessee like they're the worst thing in the world but uh guys i'm looking at the score here and wow i mean they went into auburn and they 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 beat them they beat a ranked team <laughs> just uh, uh, just the absolute jubilee, just the absolute elation in your voice. They 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 did beat a ranked team, but this is an Auburn team that again they've lost three games. They, they lost to UCF. What? Okay, uh, <laughs> Luke Fay with a uh, an extra UCF comment. I thought I was able to get that way out of the way early, but uh, Clint, I I know that you spent a lot of time, and I know you were here. You probably have a very riveting moonshine minute uh, about the victory. What what would you what would you be saying? Uh, if you had that opportunity. What I'm going to say is what I would say if I was still a host. Look, Tennessee is on its way back up. Jeremy Pruitt (laughs) is one of the best coaches in the SEC. We all know it. We all saw what happened out there. The dude had amazing adjustments. I think he's top 12 easy. Tennessee is going to finish with, like, what, a a top 15 recruit. You know, pretty good. They're going to finish maybe with a bowl game, all right? They've already beat a ranked team on the road, which broke a streak of, like, 5,000 days or something. Like, it's absurd. Like, I just want to know from you guys, how good is Jeremy Pruitt? Like, is this guy really one of the best coaches in the SEC, or is he one of the best coaches in college football? Clint, I want to I want to go back to an article you wrote about Tennessee about a week ago. It did not seem like there was so much enthusiasm within the program <laughs> just a week ago. What what changed? I, I I don't know what you're talking about, but if there was a hypothetical <laughs> article that you're talking about, uh, look, what changed is that they came out out of the bye week 
and they just looked better. You could just see that this team has, you know, uh, they have the pieces, right? And they're still trying to figure out where everything goes, you know, where everything fits. But, you know, after last week, I don't think you can deny that the team's on the right track. Do, do you think that Jeremy Pruitt is drumming up the type of coaching and talent that he did at Florida State that led them to a national championship? I don't think he is right now just because he doesn't have that talent. I mean, he's literally telling recruits that this is the worst year, uh, you know, of, of my head coaching tenure you'll ever see. Like, you can start day one, just come in, <laughs> compete, and you will <laughs> start eventually. So, uh, no, but I do think that he has some, some certain bright spots. And I think Jeremy Pruitt, you know, from what we know at FSU, he's he's destined for a lot of big things. So one more question for you, buddy, before we uh, we, we let you go. Uh, of course, Tennessee facing uh, Alabama <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> give me give me give me your prediction for this game. I, I'm very excited to hear this. Oh, Alabama's gonna toss them. It's gonna be like <laughs> 56 to seven or something. It's gonna be bad. <laughs> No, because you because you realize why Alabama's gonna they're they're gonna run up the score. It's because uh-huh. Philip Fulmer's the AD again. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Philip Fulmer snitched back in the '90s and just killed their program for years. You heard it here first, ladies and gemmen. Clint Island, former co-host of Tomahawk Talk, calling in. Uh, love to hear from you, buddy. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. All right, catch all around. So uh, before uh, Clint called in, we were talking about. Um, the biggest surprises, biggest biggest surprises and disappointments. And I'm just going to skip ahead. I was going to ask you, out of those games, which one uh, you felt was the most surprising to you? Um, and you you said the Notre Dame at Pittsburgh, and um, that was a very close game for a Notre Dame offense. That it seemed like they have may have been have been been a very close call there for Notre Dame. But just moving on to college football, I guess it's just the, the where the standings are in general right now. We're halfway through the season. What is your biggest disappointment, and who is your biggest surprise, Chris? Uh, for me, biggest disappointment, uh, I'm gonna go Penn State. You know, I, I know that they, I know that they lost uh, Saquon Barkley, and Trace McSorley comes in, but he just, uh, I don't know, I don't think he's panned out to be quite the quite the key player that they need. Um, and obviously, I think this this loss this past weekend kind of showed that. Biggest surprise, give me LSU. I like LSU in the five spot. They came they came into the season ranked twenty five, started from the bottom, all the way working there. Well, that's not quite to... the bottom, but <laughs> but you know the bottom of the top twenty five. You know, like they they weren't expected to be at that. Point. Florida State was ranked seventeenth, nineteenth, coming off of mm-hmm. what? Uh, so yeah, you're right. That that yeah. is a, a very very uh good job by our, by our boy Ed. Yeah. <laughs> We we are big big Ed the, fans the here. Ed, yep. <laughs> <laughs> big oh dog, go Gary, what what do you got for me? For my disappointment, I'm probably gonna have to go with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Yeah, before before you are get we, into that, I'm sorry. <laughs> I I really hate to cut you off. So close. Almost. They were, they were so oh, close. I had it. I mean. You gotta feel for Scott Frost. Oh, like, I feel I, so bad for him. I, <laughs> I genuinely, I know we're supposed to be unbiased and everything, but my heart goes out to Scott Frost right now. It wasn't even. It was. You you gotta throw throw a team out there that won't drive ninety four yards for a touchdown mm-hmm. with a minute left, and you get Northwestern and you go, golly, we're getting it. We got it. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> no. Uh, it, it's almost it's almost like karma destiny that he went. To, he went to UCF coming off mm-hmm. an 0-12 program, 
goes perfect and then loses six. It is weird. Is, how he, is he going to is he going to win a game this year against? Oh yeah, they're, I think, I, they're yeah. playing Bethune Cookman. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All, all right. right. All yeah, right. So yeah. All right. So yeah, they're my disappointment. We all know why. Uh, but for my surprise, I'm going to have to go with Kentucky. Kentucky is beaten some good teams out there. They've had one loss so far, and that was what was it to A um, uh, and M. But other than that, they've beaten the Gators for the first time in 31 years. They've beaten some decent teams along the Baby way. Snell, man. Snell, yeah. What's it called? They're doing their job right now. They're winning ball games, so they're my they're my surprise. Luke. Well, I'm gonna go with the disappointment first, and we talked about it earlier. Auburn. It's got to be Auburn. Auburn mm-hmm. is. Are they three and three? I believe they're three and three now. They're four and three. They're four and three. They came out the gate hot against they, Washington. Yeah, they came out hot against Washington, but now that win isn't even looking that great either. I forgot they um, played them until yeah. I just looked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Auburn. For all the hoopla around their team, Stidham is not what he was bargained up to be. He hasn't. Thing is, you want a quarterback that wins you games, and he sort of hangs around. He doesn't. He's never. He hasn't done anything where you've gone, oh, this guy's gonna go win the game for us. And so that's what. That's my biggest disappointment because they had stuff coming back. They have people leaving the program early. Uh, two wide I think they've had four players leave the program early. Nebraska, going to what Gary said, they had 22 people on Nebraska's team leave uh, since Scott Frost has taken over. And that doesn't even include pe- – that's that's not people graduating. That's leaving the program. So you got to deal with that. And if we're going off of the biggest surprise, I think we can all agree that the, the people to the south, uh, the Florida Gators, the Florida Gators are one of the biggest surprise. They were a laughingstock the last five years, mm-hmm. straight up laughingstock. And they went out and they're playing their game. They're, it's finally they've got a, a couple of running backs that can go and do the ground and pound, and they just need Felipe Franks to not mess up. And he's actually made something of it. He he's decided I'm not going to throw flamethrowers in there. And if you don't throw flamethrowers over the middle for a five yard pass, got a good chance of winning. And they got a great punter there, Tommy Townsend, uh, former classmate. He uh, had a fake punt that won him the game against Vandy. Give him a shout out. Let's go. Punters are people, too. Hashtag for the brand. <laughs> Hashtag punters are people, too. Uh, I'm just going to I'm gonna start with my biggest surprise here, and I'm going to have to go with Texas. Now, I have been one of the very few people here at VNN that has been on Texas the entire way, and I was one of the few only people to predict that Texas was going to upset Oklahoma on the way to uh, the Miami game. And you just take a look what Texas has done. They – did lose their opening game to Maryland. That was a very close game. That was the second time, I think it was consecutive seasons, that Maryland was actually able to beat Texas. But when you look at what they've done after that, they have three victories against top 25 teams. A 37-14 victory over USC. That was the, uh, they were ranked 22 at the time. 31-16 against number, ranked, uh, number 17 TCU. And then, of course, that thriller of a game versus number seven ranked Oklahoma, forty-eight to uh, forty-five. This this Texas Longhorn team, I think there was a stat that said this is the first time that this Texas Longhorn team has been in the top ten for around a decade. I think there was something about it's the first time they've won six games in a row in a decade. Um, but I disagree, Nick. That is a big O O overrated from from this side of the, the mm-hmm. room here. I think Gary can agree with that. They are overrated as can be. Um, I they don't... didn't score a point in the second half against Baylor in Texas last yeah. week. So yeah, they I did don't sur- know. They where... did survive a scare. Baylor, Baylor Baylor has like the death penalty to yeah. them. If you well, don't know, if you want to go back to their football team, 
they have the death penalty. No, well, you know what? It doesn't bother me that you're saying this now. It didn't bother me when you were not on Texas earlier in the season. That's what, hey, it's, so I'm just going to go moving. <laughs> there's a second half of the season yeah, coming. We're riding the second half of the, All right. If I if I'm proved wrong, I'm proved wrong. Uh, as for my disappointment, I think this was a pretty obvious one to see coming at the beginning of the year, but Michigan State um, is really just not a great football team. They had no business being ranked anywhere in the uh, top 25, and they lost some pretty – easy winnable games they lost versus air state uh, arizona state uh university they lost to northwestern Ugh. they they did beat penn state 21 to 17 this past week as we already talked about but as we've already said penn state has had struggles of its own <laughs> that was chris's disappointment well, exactly <laughs> it was penn state yeah, exactly so, so uh, i i agree with aren't they ranked 24th now or something ridiculous. They are 24th. Yeah, uh, it's, but, but even just taking a, take, taking a taking a look at the, the the Big Ten here. Ohio State obviously on top seven and zero. Michigan six and one right behind. Michigan's overrated too. Michigan is overrated too. I actually did have them as uh, a disappointment before they put a pretty good yeah. whopping on Wisconsin this past is, weekend. Is it Michigan State versus Michigan this weekend? Mm-hmm. It is. I am. I don't know where that game is being held. But Michigan. we're talking it's about at Michigan. It's at Michigan. We're talking about Michigan State being a disappointment. Don't be shocked if they go in there and beat a bad Michigan, uh, or uh, yeah, beat a bad Michigan team because of the underwhelming performances that they both go out and put. And it's a rivalry game. Well, I'm, I believe it was my freshman year. The uh, the uh, punt block mm-hmm. that changed the whole tide of that year for Harbaugh. The whole tide. He's only Harbaugh is. He old. hasn't. He hasn't won. Right. He's one in six, or like one in six, or one in five against uh, rivals. So that'd be Michigan yeah. State and Ohio State. He hasn't beaten Ohio State, and I, th- I think only you're right. Beaten Michigan State. Once. So there's a lot of pressure on him in that game. Mm-hmm. A lot. I know we've talked a lot of college football today, but I did say that we were going to talk some baseball. Baseball. Believe it or not. When we have four minutes to do it, yeah. maybe Nick, that... let's skip over the hockey talk for tonight. Yeah, okay. let's just skip over the right, hockey right, talk. Right, Sebastian? <laughs> I, how about I, them lightning? Just how about kidding. them? How about, how about uh, Panthers defensive uh, defensive uh, uh, player got suspended for a couple games I did see? How about them Dodgers? Yeah, but baseball. <laughs> baseball. Um, a couple of sweeps in the uh, divisional round. Correct. Uh, Correct. Some, some that maybe – we didn't quite see coming in that fashion. The Brewers seemed absolutely unstoppable, and then the Dodgers did take uh, game two and kind of brought the Brewers down to earth. I think they had won uh, maybe a lot of games, maybe 17, something like that. 17 wins in a row? Maybe it was. Oh, no. Uh, uh, the Brewers? They had 12 wins in a row. 12 yeah, wins. The, I'm we're sorry, talking I'm about con- those I'm burgers, conf- are we not, Chris? I'm, con- I'm, confusing, I'm confusing an earlier streak that they had earlier in the season the Brewers had Listen, won. the Brewers have been hot. They they have earned their spot in these playoffs right now. That That is for certain. Um, um, and they're giving a do- they're giving the Dodgers a run for their money. They that bullpen, I was telling Gary before the show, I am terrified of that bullpen as as Dodger fans and honestly the the Astros and or the Red Sox should be as well. Josh Hader looked unhittable. Brandon Woodruff looked unhittable, although he hit a home run He's... off of uh, off of Clayton Kershaw. Mm-hmm. Kershaw playoff Kershaw's back. <laughs> yeah, left left me speechless. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's going to be an interesting series, though, uh, uh, needless to say. So both series tied one-to-one. Obviously, we talked about uh, David Price getting a quote-unquote team win. Team win. <laughs> team win. No decision, but team win. Team win. Moral victory. Very important choice of words right there in team win. Uh, obviously, I, I think that um, the teams that are in the, 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 the championship or the um, 
uh, not the divisional series, the one the after the it. Cham- the championship series. Yeah, the championship yeah, yeah. series. I was right the first time. The yeah. championship series. The teams that are here are definitely the teams that I think deserve to be here. Yeah, they there, belong there, here. There, there is no team. You know, obviously the wild card is only one game. It all relies upon whether, you know, it, does your pitcher have that stuff that night mm-hmm. in a lot of, in a lot of uh, ways. But the teams that are here, I think, definitely deserve to be here, and it's really just some entertaining baseball. What, what is the ideal matchup for baseball purists? Uh, Red Sox, Dodgers, World Series. That's na- no, that's no, national. No bias. And no bias. At the, I know. No, honestly, I, I actually wait. That's no, East Coast. I think that the, the East Coast, West Coast. You got East Coast, West Coast. You got the second and third oldest stadiums in baseball history. But that, what an atmosphere for, for baseball. base for baseball purists though. In terms of play style, the Brewers are the team that a lot of people would like to see, just because of the fact that they can. Hit, they don't hit as many home runs. But they know how to get guys on and get they them over and get them in. They manufacture ball. runs the old-fashioned way, and they're not afraid to bunt the ball. So in terms of purists, purists like yeah. to bunt. <laughs> but for so for purists, the people who, who actually like 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 baseball, we would you would say the Brewers. But for the fans, the best matchup marketability of has to you know you would you would roll with Boston. Yeah, for sure. So then, so out of these two series, I know we're dangerously low on time. Do we can we do you guys feel confident enough to pick? Uh, a World Series right now? Honestly, I I don't. I, I in the National League at least uh, they're so back and forth right now. Like I think that series is pretty indicative of how of how the series is going to roll out. I'm going Brewers Astros World Series Astros win. Astros win a repeat. I'm yep. First so, time since what was it the Yankees did it back way back or yeah way back in when two thousand early two thousand yeah early two yeah. thousands not late nineties I think ninety nine two thousand two thousand one ninety or it was ninety eight ninety nine and two thousand because oh one the Diamondbacks walked it off oh well. mm-hmm. yeah I think uh, I think that the pitching's gonna be a big thing in the AL so I'm gonna go with the Astros off of Verlander Verlander <laughs> really hitting his stride with the Astros again. Um, Which is great to see. Yeah, he, he was really not doing see. very well over in Detroit. He works in threes. And he, he did great, but then at the very end, he wasn't doing as well. Uh, so he's rekindled his career over in the Astros. And I think uh, I'm going to go with L.A. I'm, I'm, I like the rematch. Um, I'm not going to say who's like going to win the game. We're going to see who comes in hot. I, it's hard to go go against my boy Puig, though. And there you have it. We are out of time here on this Monday Uh, We will see you here next week. New releases up next. You've been listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. Thank you all so much for tuning in.